today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Again, he's warning that young man, man, lying is not good. God hates lying. Lying is not good in your relationship with other people. Do not lie. Speak the truth. It's all through there, woven throughout all the Proverbs. The other thing is this whole idea of the evil way. Now, the evil way means that you're not walking in a righteous way, okay? There's a multitude of ways we can walk in evil ways running around with evil company. There's warnings there about, hey, don't go with the ones that say, hey, come on, let's get together. Let's jump somebody. Let's kill them. Let's take all their money. Man, we can do this right away. And you think, whoa, you don't want to be a part of that. You don't want to be a part of that evil way. You see it all throughout Proverbs. Today, Pastor David takes a hard look into Proverbs and what exactly God is trying to tell us through its message. Have you ever lied or perhaps found yourself following in the footsteps of the wrong crowd? It's easy to get caught up in the struggles of life and forget that things such as little white lies or who we hang around can have an impact on our faith. You're called to be truthful and vigilant. You're called to turn away from evil ways. You're called to righteousness. Today, we'll discover what that means. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Proverbs chapter 19 with today's edition of The Open Word. going to take a look at the book of Proverbs over the next few minutes. Last week, as we started in the section of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, I shared with you that, that, that Solomon was the wisest man in the world. As a matter of fact, we looked back at 1 Kings chapter 4 and it talked about a, a whole list of people that he was wiser than, known, known wise people of the day. And not only was he wise, but in the midst of his wisdom, Solomon was a prolific writer. He wrote over 3,000 proverbs as well as, I think it's 1,005 songs. Now, the book of Proverbs does not have all of Solomon's proverbs. There's not that many in here. But again, all that he did and all that he knew, man, it just led to the power of who he was as an individual. We also talked about in the scope of his life, He was able to build the the, the most elaborate, the most beautiful structure of the day. That was Solomon's temple. And we understand that that temple wasn't built for Solomon's glory, but Solomon was building that temple for the glory of God because God had blessed him, because God had blessed the nation of Israel in so many ways. Last week, we spoke about the fact that of the 66 books in our Bible, Three of those books, again, are credited to have been written, at least in the most part, by 
King Solomon, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. I also shared with you that personally, I feel that the books in our Bible are actually out of order as far as when Solomon probably wrote those. I shared most of that with you last week. I won't go into it very much this week, but in the context of Solomon's life, we can look and we can probably very easily see that probably as a young man, Solomon would have written the Song of Solomon. Again, a beautiful love story between a man and a woman, a real story with real people. And we spoke about the fact that not only was it a real story about a real man and a real woman, but it was also an analogy of God's love for Israel and Christ's love for his church. Again, as the groom and and the bride. I think that next we, we would look at probably the book of Proverbs as being the second book, kind of a, a middle-aged man giving words of wisdom to a younger man. Listen, I've lived a good portion of my life. Let me share with you some words of wisdom, these little nuggets of information to help your life to be able to go better. Uh, then when we come to the book of Ecclesiastes, and next week when we look at Ecclesiastes, we're going to see that that's, a, that's, that's written by an older man probably very frustrated with his life, and we're going to find out why he's frustrated. It's because he let loose of all constraints and all the wisdom that he had. He just let loose, and he found out that when he did that, all was vanity, that that the world really didn't have anything to offer him. And so that's in my own understanding. You may agree or disagree. That's not really the, 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 the point of it. But I do look at Proverbs as being the words of a man with some, again, some experience under his belt that he's now able to share with a young man. So as we get into Proverbs, First of all, we need to look at a little bit of the, the structure or the layout of the book in order that we can appreciate, in order that we can understand better what it is and, and why the book is the way that it is. As far as the structure of the book, it's in, in one sense, it's, it's fairly easy to divide portions of the book of Proverbs into different sections, but that's usually just in big sections. It's very difficult to divide Proverbs into smaller sections because it, it is so random in many ways. From one verse to another, uh, it just covers a whole lot of territory. However, we can we look in a general sense. We look at, say, chapters 1 to 9, we find the introduction of the book in chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 7. Then we find this continual uh, praise for wisdom, even to the point of personifying wisdom as a woman, just crying out in the streets, calling for people to come to her. In chapters 10 through 12, again, these contain just this wide variety of a great amount, these various words, these sundry warnings and encouragements to this young man, whether it be his son, which I believe it was probably one of Solomon's sons uh, or a multitude of his sons. These encouragements uh, simply listed as the Proverbs of Solomon. And then when you get down to chapters 25 through 29, these five chapters, there's still a sign that they were Proverbs of Solomon, but it says that they were pulled together, they were copied by the officials of Hezekiah, the king of Israel that, or of Judah that came after Solomon many years after. So in other words, it was possibly some of Solomon's sayings that were scattered in a multitude of 
publications or writings or just verbally that had been spread around. And Hezekiah says, hey, we need to pull all these things together to get, this is good stuff. We don't want to lose that. And so we see that verses 25 through 29. Then we get to chapter 30 and 31, and they're kind of a different creature altogether. In chapter 30, we have the writings by a fellow that was considered to be a non-Jew, probably Arabic uh, background. Uh, his, his name was Agur, Agur, A-G-U-R, Agur. And again, uh, a lot of Proverbs, a lot of different insights within that one chapter. And then there's chapter 31. And these were the writings of King Lemuel. And of course, Proverbs 31 is probably the most uh, famous of all the chapters in the book of Proverbs, if you look at it as a chapter as a whole. Again, speaking about the virtuous woman. And that, that whole issue of of chapter 31, The Virtuous Woman. That's an acrostic poem. Uh, I don't know if you know that, but in the Hebrew, it is, again, using the letters of the Hebrew alphabet to pull that all together. And it is also footnoted that these aren't just the words of King Lemuel, who, again, we don't believe was a Jew. He was probably of, of one of the other nations, but his writings were good. They were included here. It was actually the words of his mom that uh, his, his mother, his mama, taught him. And there were good words from mama, so he wrote them down. And now we have them in chapter 31 of the book of Proverbs. Now, I don't want to overwhelm you with the whole idea of Hebrew poetry, and I know that we've been speaking about this over the last couple of weeks, but there's some interesting things that we want to see through this, the styles or the forms of the Hebrew poetry. Once you have at least a cursory understanding of how that poetry works, how that style or that form works, it actually becomes kind of fun to be reading through, and all of a sudden you realize, oh yeah, I I see that pattern. I, I see how they're doing that. And Proverbs is probably one of the best that we see that in. The literary form that Proverbs is is called overwhelmingly is poetic parallelism. Poetic parallelism. There's going to be a test at the end of the class, so you need to know that you know that. Poetic parallelism. Well, it's a poem that's written where many things are written in a parallel style. Different words, I'm going to use some words that you probably won't ever remember unless you write them down and you're really interested in this kind of thing. But one of the things is called antithetic parallelism. Antithetic parallelism. And antithetic parallelism, it places, in essence, one phrase just the opposite of the next phrase. So it says two opposing things. Look with me, if you got your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 11, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 1. We're going to be going through a few of these very quickly. In Proverbs 11, verse 1, it says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but an accurate weight is his delight. So you see the parallel of what they're talking, but also that antithetic. They're saying two opposing things. The false balance is an abomination. The the, the accurate weight is his delight. So do you... Do you get the idea of what they're saying there on that? The second kind of parallelism that we see within Proverbs is what they call synonymous parallelism. And if you know the word synonymous, that means they're they're saying the same thing, in essence, twice. Again, part of the style of Hebrew poetry. Look at uh, chapter 19, 
verse 5. And, and these are all through uh, uh, Proverbs. These are just random picks here that I'm pulling. Again, it's a, it's a combination of phrases. They're, they both say the same point or, or cover the same idea, but just in a, a, a different way or a different light. So Proverbs 19, verse 5, a false witness will not go unpunished. A liar will not escape. They're saying, in essence, the same thing, synonymous. They're saying it parallel. So antithetic, they're saying two opposite things. Synonymous parallelism, they're saying the same thing two different ways, driving home the point. And then the third one is what they call synthetic or progressive parallelism. So you say something and then you add more on top of it. Not necessarily the same thing, but you just add more. Kind of like saying, man, not only is he tall, but he's heavy. Two different things you're just adding on top of what you're saying. Look at uh, Proverbs 20, verse 4 as a sample. Proverbs 20, verse 4. A lazy person does not plow in season. Harvest comes, there's nothing to be found. You see the two different things? Plowing in season is at the beginning of the season. The harvest is a little bit later. So not only does he not plow at the beginning of the season, but there's nothing for him to harvest. So it adds on top of it. There's probably some better ones than that for the synthetic, but that's kind of the idea. Now, there's a a, a number of themes that we find woven all throughout Proverbs. I'm not going to take the time to look at each one of these tonight, just simply for the time amount. But you'll see he speaks a lot about liars all through Proverbs. Uh, Again, he's warning that young man, man, lying is not good. God hates lying. Lying is not good in your relationship with other people. Do not lie. Speak the truth. It's all through there, woven throughout all the Proverbs. The other thing is this whole idea of the evil way. Now, the evil way means that you're not walking in a righteous way, okay? There's a multitude of ways we can walk in evil ways. Running around with evil company, there's warnings there about, hey, don't go with the ones that say, hey, come on, let's get together, let's jump somebody, let's kill them, let's take all their money. Man, we can do this right away. And you think, whoa, you don't want to be a part of that. You don't want to be a part of that evil way. You see it all throughout Proverbs. Uh, The immoral woman. Or as Tot and I call it, the wicked woman. Uh, she's spoken about all throughout Proverbs about, again, avoiding that wicked woman. And just as wisdom stands in the streets and cries out for men to come and, and learn from her, so the immoral woman, the wicked woman, calls. And again, she has all the perfume. She has all the draw. She's pulling. And again, um, Solomon, or the writer of Proverbs, he declares to the young man, he says, man, don't listen to that. Don't even go near that turn. Go the other way. Uh, The whole idea about gossiping or being warned against flatterers, being cautious against those that are prideful and you not being prideful. He compares uh, the righteous with the wicked over and over in many of these parallels in in the same verses. He also compares, again, that whole idea of, of the wise and the fool. The wise man does this, but the fool does this. Uh, the whole course of wisdom, all of that found within the book. As a matter of fact, wisdom wisdom actually becomes a, a prominent character within all of Proverbs. The words wise or wisdom are actually listed over 110 times 
in the 31 chapters of Proverbs. And actually, it's one of them, wise or wisdom, is listed in every chapter. Wisdom also uh, becomes personified as a woman. But one of the other things that we look and see and understand about wisdom, I think we could also many times parallel that, that word of, or, or the, the, the person of wisdom in Proverbs literally to Christ. And we'll look at that in, in just a moment. Wisdom literature itself addresses things that are, that are common to most every person. Regardless of age, uh, regardless of the era, uh, the culture, the economy, the education, wisdom literature is for all men in every walk of life. There, there, there's truisms within wisdom literature that, that transcend or go through the walls of, of prejudice and the walls of class. These words ring true in all peoples throughout all ages. And we find very quickly, this is the important part, Wisdom is not synonymous with education because education does not always bring with it wisdom. There's a lot of smart people doing a lot of dumb stuff in this world. Amen? Some of them are in Washington, but they're scattered all over. Okay. Some of the primary characteristics that we find in, in, in wisdom literature, like Proverbs. They include, but they're not necessarily limited to, the following. Most often, they address simple situations or questions that we have in life. How do I deal with my children? Raise up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. You know, correct a child when he's wrong. You won't kill him. Uh, you know, just simple realities and truths like this. How to avoid unnecessary conflict. A soft answer turns away wrath. You know, these kinds of things we find all throughout Proverbs. Um, the, 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 the nature of power, of, of being placed in authority, that sometimes people in authority goes to their heads and they do the wrong thing and they treat people the wrong way. Uh, the need for hard work. Hey, consider the ant, you sluggard. Uh, you know, uh, get up and get your job done. Uh, and, and again, just looking at practical, ordinary stuff. And that's, that's what I love about Proverbs. In, in this kind of things, you find very little, if any, interest in, in say, history or, or in politics at all. It deals with just everyday situations that we live into. Although wisdom we know is granted to us by God, It's not really a a divinely revealed truth that we see here in Proverbs. It doesn't address the human condition from a divine or a spiritual perspective per se, although we do find early on when he says that it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of knowledge. And we find that whole phrase, the fear of the Lord is this and this, all throughout Proverbs. But nowhere in Proverbs do we have Thus saith the Lord. But we do understand that these are principles that go right along with the kingdom of God's plans and purposes are for us. In, in, in the midst of it all, we find that wisdom brings with it that, that reflection of order, of divine order. Because, again, we read that a fool and his folly, they continually bring disorder. They continually bring damage. We find that 
a fool is, is actually blind to the good things of God and to the order and the, the, the reality and the truth of God. We find that a fool in his foolishness has this continual, continual effect of disrupting order. And particularly fools in places of authority but and fools that have been entrusted with responsibility. Oh man, Proverbs warns against that over and over and over again. You don't want to do that. It's very easy, again, that you can see uh, that, that personified figure, wisdom, uh, again, being, being almost divine in the midst of it, given a female personification. Uh, and again, like I said, it looks at parallel between wisdom and Christ. In chapter eight, it says that, wisdom that she was with God from the beginning. Now that's a, a, a lovely way of stating again, almost that parallel of wisdom in Christ. And by and large, we find wisdom as being, for the most part, wisdom is socially conservative. There's not any wild things that are going on. Wisdom is, is grounded in tradition Wisdom is grounded in the observation of, of the human uh, life and, and the way that we live and the way that we respond. The fact that the text of Proverbs, again, uh, over time, uh, continues and repeats this thing over time, suggests really that, that wisdom is rooted not only in the human condition and the need to take care of certain things, but also in how the divine interacts with that human condition. Again, we're not speaking at that point of a salvation issue, but it's speaking of the wisdom of God working within the situation of man. Again, it's not unique. It doesn't find its genesis within uh, the, the Hebrew culture. Some have even stated that, that some uh, of what uh, Solomon uh, is quoted as saying was possibly lifted from or acquired from other cultures, uh, either during, during the, his time or even before that. I have no problem with that because, again, we, we know that Solomon was wise enough to glean from the best cultures that were around him. And if you come up and you tell me something that's very true and very real, hey, I'm going to take it on as my own. And we say, man, that, that's a good thing. That's a solid thing. And so I have no problem with that at all. One of the things we need to realize about the Proverbs, though, and again, this is very, very important for us, is that the Proverbs are a principle. They're not a promise. The Proverbs are a principle. They're not a promise. As soon as you start gleaning from the Proverbs and saying, that's a promise of God. I've got it right here. Proverbs, so it's a, I'm gonna say, hold on a second. You got the wrong idea. You got the wrong understanding of why that book is there and the, the words within that book. We, we look at it, and, and just to give you an idea of this and the understanding, help drive it home. Throughout the book of Proverbs, there is this concept, this, 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 this declared statement over and over that those who choose wisdom and those who follow God are going to be blessed in, in, in a multitude of ways. And I have no problem with that. As a matter of fact, it says, if, if, if you choose wisdom and if you follow God, Proverbs 9.11 says, for by me, speaking of God or speaking of wisdom, your days will be multiplied 
and your life will be added to you. Now, if you look at that and you say, well, that's a promise of God, you're going to be sorely disappointed when you suddenly realize, you know what? I've seen righteous people die at a young age. As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you too. And I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday. And you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible right here on The Open Word. Make us more.